Is your child over-vaccinated? And why is he or she fat? What's the solution to do about that? And the book police are back at it again. Yes! Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Little new opening there. We made everything a little more quiet and compact and moves everything along a little faster. So we just get to the meat of things. Welcome in. It's a Monday. Mondays suck. We're done with our Monday here in Malaysia. And, uh, whoa, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's been one of those. All right, before we get to our Miko update, I want to spend just a few moments because I am in Malaysia. Uh, born and bred in the United States, I moved to Malaysia 20 years ago for all the crazy reasons of love. That may or may not have worked out, but then I fell in love with Malaysia, and so I stayed. It's been over 20 years now that I've been living here in Malaysia. Many of my friends still back in the U.S. I'm in regular contact with them. My family is back there. And uh, Michelle Yeoh has won the Oscar for Best Actress. Just happened 12 or more hours ago. And there she is. And the reason I mention her is because she was born right here in Malaysia. She is a Malaysian. Now, her career and her success didn't have a whole lot to do with Malaysia, but that does not negate the fact that she is a Malaysian. And we are incredibly proud of this very talented woman. She did an absolutely remarkable job. If you have not seen everything, everywhere, all at once, you owe it to yourself to watch this film. I can't even begin to describe it. It's just, all I can say is, what a ride. It is a ride. You've got to check it out if you haven't seen it yet. But Malaysian-born Michelle Yeoh spent a lot of time in Hong Kong, the U.S., had a brilliant film career from... Hidden Dragon, Crouching Tiger, and uh, all kinds of... She was an original uh, James Bond chick. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's just had a remarkable career. Uh, and a highlight, probably the highlight, was uh, last night when she won the Academy Award for Best Actress, and we congratulate her. Now, there have been a lot of folks here in Malaysia that have been posting on Twitter and Facebook, things like that, saying, hey, you know, she's not really from here. She had nothing. Her career had nothing to do with Malaysia. Mal Look, Malaysia's got its own problems when it comes to the film industry. It is absolutely freaking ridiculous here. You can't do anything creative. You can't do anything. It's just it's a mess. I'm not even going to get into it because it's not worth my time. It's a mess. Michelle would never have had her career had she stayed here. So thank God she and a bunch of other smart people who wanted to do better took off her parts. Now, look, you can have a brilliant career in different lines of work here, but if you want to be something in the creative industry, hit the road, Jack. Just like this wonderful lady did, and uh, boy, she proved it last night. Absolutely amazing. But, you know, for those naysayers out there who say, oh, well, Michelle, you know, she's not really you know, Malaysia, blah, blah, blah. You know what? She is a Malaysian. She was born here. And we could not be more proud of her. And uh, she is in our hearts. All right. Speaking of people in our hearts, this is the person 
but it kind of is. It's our furry friend Miko and the Miko update. <coughs> She's doing great. She's she didn't eat today. She ate a little bit of kibbles, but she didn't eat her lunch, her wet food for lunch. It was still there for dinner. We tried to offer it to her again. This was her just a little while ago, just laying on the couch, looking kind of forlorn. I don't know. She just gets in these moods sometimes, and she gets like, she's still beautiful. She's still a sweetheart. She had a great walk tonight, met up with a couple of her friends, one she hadn't seen in a long time, Loki, and uh, had a great time playing with Loki. And so, yeah, she's doing wonderfully well, but she's just having this whole kind of, I don't really feel like eating today. Yeah, you know how it is. Women. <laughs> our Miko updates brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. Our special link is in the show notes, BarkBox.com slash Miko. And if you use that link, you will get a free extra month. BarkBox, what is it? It's a monthly subscription for your dog. You get a box full of themed toys, treats, and, and dog chews every month delivered right to your door. You can sign up for one month if you want to just try it out, or six months or 12 months. And if you use our link, you will get an extra month free from BarkBox, BarkBox.com slash Miko. You get two toys, two bags of treats, all natural, good for your dog. And you can, there's a checkbox. You can size, you know, small, medium, or large dog, so they'll send you a the appropriate size toys and chew and a dog chew also you get every month delivered right to your door fantastic uh, a bunch of guys and gals over there and they have a 100 percent satisfaction guaranteed if you are ever not satisfied with something in your bark box you get a hold of customer service they will make it right barkbox.com slash miko and if you look at the links in our show notes right below that is a limited time special link, again, connected to the Jay Sheldon Show, where if you don't want the free month, you can get a double box, four toys, four bags of treats, and two dog chews, and or you can get the limited edition SpongeBob SquarePants Bark Box. It's really cool. You got to check it out. All right. Thank you, Bark Box, for uh, sponsoring the Miko update uh okay we're gonna get into it's a lot of stuff tonight and i'm not entirely sure i didn't intend it to be this way but somehow a lot of stuff in tonight's show has to do with your kids which is why i called it are your kids safe because in a lot of cases maybe not and this one's the first one that caught my eye it's from the epic times uh, and epic health And it's something, it says, parents need to know. Are your children over-vaccinated? Scientists link the rise in type 1 juvenile diabetes to over-vaccination. Now, look, you need to make up your own mind. I am not a medical doctor. I'm not giving you any medical advice. I am reading an article from the Epic Times. They researched this, and it's rather interesting. The link to all of these things we talk about are in our show notes, so you can go read them yourself, check them out for yourself. For many parents, something very satisfying about taking a baby, especially a firstborn, to the doctor, uh, so-called well baby care. It gives you, as a parent, the chance to talk to an expert about your child's development, asking all the burning questions, when baby will be able to sit up, 
what to do about teething, baby's height, weight, and as well as get the baby's life-saving vaccines. Now, according to the CDC, childhood vaccinations prevent at least 4 million deaths per year worldwide. That's why the CDC recommends such a large number of vaccines for American children, starting with a vaccine against hepatitis B, sexually transmitted disease recommended for all newborns during the first hours of life. Every year, the nation's top disease experts get together to decide what vaccines should be included in their recommended child and adolescent immunization schedule. Young people ages 18 and younger. Now, this schedule is recommended by the CDC, and then it is mandated to each state as a requirement for children to attend school. Now, I said that wrong. It's mandated not to, but by each state. One thing that needs to be clear, the CDC has absolutely no authority, none, to mandate anything. The states decide what guidelines they're going to follow and what guidelines they are not. It's approved by the CDC, American Academy of Pediatrics, Food and Drug Administration, and other health organizations. Parents are told the current recommendations are based on a review of the most recent scientific information available for each vaccine. Currently, there are 14 vaccines recommended for kids from birth through 18. Hepatitis B, three doses. Rotavirus, three to four doses, depends on the brand. Uh, DTaP, which is diphtheria, pertussis, and uh, tetanus, five doses. Wow. Uh, HIB, three to four doses. PCV, four doses. Polio, four doses. Now, here's one. I'm going to try so hard not to make a comment. But I really want to. COVID-19. The number of doses depends on the child's age and the type of vaccine. Morons. Did I say that? The flu, one to two doses every year. MMR, chickenpox, hepatitis, HPV, men-ACWY, which is meningococcal disease, and men-B, which is another type of that. Wow. That's insane. You know, I think I remember getting one vaccine before I went to school and it, it formed this big scab and they had a big plastic thing over my arm. I don't know what the hell that was. This was in the 60s. So, you know, pff, yeah, I'm that old. Anyway, most states allow for religious exemptions. Some states also allow for philosophical exemptions. But is it too much of a good thing? That's the focus of this article. Since the 80s, the CDC has just continuously added and added and added vaccines to this recommended schedule, and they've never taken any off the schedule. The number of vaccines currently recommended has quadrupled since the 70s. Man, and children's health in the U.S. has seen a remarkable decline. Trends may not be related. Many parents, though, have started to question whether their kids really need that many vaccines this early in their lives in order to stay safe and healthy.
Parents, thousands of medical doctors, research scientists now openly support these parents who are questioning and point out that while vaccines undergo safety testing on a vaccine-by-vaccine basis, childhood vaccines are not tested in combination with the other vaccines before they're approved. In other words, this one vaccine has been tested, but this combined with this, you're both going to get it once. That interaction hasn't been tested. Colin Lynn, family physician based in Redding, California, says, I think it's legit for parents to have questions and concerns. Of course it is. You should be asking questions and be concerned. Don't just take everybody's advice for granted. It's definitely possible we're at a tipping point where we're giving too many vaccines. Sometimes, she says, I wonder if in the future we'll look back at the 2000s and say, what were we thinking? Hmm, exactly. It's, uh, it's something to think about, especially, obviously, if you are a parent. Because your child's health, I can't think of anything that could possibly be any more important than that. Uh, read the whole article. There is more information here. It's fascinating, and the link is in our show notes. Uh, get this. Love this one. Related news. It's from the Epic Times. A mother has sued a doctor who allegedly administered COVID-19 vaccines to kids without her consent. Not kidding. Doctor violated the law by administering COVID-19 vaccines to kids without consent, according to a new lawsuit. Dr. Jani Rethi, chief of community pediatrics at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, has been accused of holding two children in a room. What? Until she convinced them to get a COVID-19 vaccine. The minors, both children of Latoya McNeil, a Washington resident, who brought the suit in D.C. Superior Court. Her two children, minor children, were held in a room until she overcame their will and forcibly vaccinated them while physically preventing them from consulting with their mother, who was right outside the room. This woman needs to do some time. Whoa. Read this article. That, again, is in our show notes. And this is a doctor. You know the whole do no harm thing? Yeah, well, (laughs) maybe not. In addition to all the vaccine problems, your kids are fat. No, I mean, seriously, fat. And that's a problem. This is from the, uh, the Daily Signal. Childhood obesity epidemic calls for, you ready? Cutting screen time in schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Boy, you know, when I think when I was that age, that would have been my lunchbox, not a laptop. Excuse me. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued new guidelines with a rather radical solution to weight loss 
using drugs, and even surgery for curbing childhood obesity. Man, it is worth spending some time talking about the rather obvious but often ignored solution, and that is turning off the screens. Screen time for children skyrocketed during the pandemic. 52% according to some studies and closer to 100% for adolescents in particular. And over that same period, children doubled their rate of body mass. The body mass index increase doubled accelerating an already steep rise in the rate of childhood obesity, which was over 20% before the pandemic. Get your kid off the screen. Get your kid's nose out of their handphone, cell phone, if you're in the U.S. Get them outside. Get them running around. Get them involved in sports. Make them move. Make them go. Get their butts up out of whatever they're sitting or laying down on with their handphone in their face or their laptop or their tablet and kick them outside to go play go get dirty unbelievable limiting the screen time is one of the recommendations on how to take care of the whole problem of child obesity and i am telling you it is a problem your health your health you got to do something. Speaking of which, I'm going to take a little break here for one of our sponsors to the show, folks. Fruits and vegetables. They are the key to healthy living. Not just your kids. You too, you know. We're not just talking about the kids here now. This is talking about you. Fruits and veggies are the anchor for any healthy diet. The problem is, it's not easy. I mean, just we all know that it ain't easy. You got to go shopping for them. You got to prepare them. Sometimes they go off. They spoil before you even get to eating them. How many times have you bought fruits, vegetables? By the time you get back around to eating them, they're gone. They're gone off. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. That's the way to do it. And it's delicious. It is a science-backed formula of specific, healthy, wholesome, fruits and vegetables, ground into an amazing tasting powder. You just mix it in your favorite drink. Put it in water if you want, green tea, orange juice, whatever. Real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. If you look on the back of the package, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts because of exactly that. These are not supplements. These are 100% real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, not extracts. Several great tasty flavors. You will love them. Lemon, lime, all kinds of great ones. And it is good for you, most importantly of all. It is a way for you to get your regular intake every day of the fruits and vegetables you need without all the hassle. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Use our special link down in the show notes. You get an amazing offer right now from Brickhouse Nutrition and, of course, the Jay Sheldon Show. Brickhouse Nutrition. Thanks, Brickhouse Nutrition. Appreciate that. All right. What else we got happening here? We talked about your fat kids. (laughs) 
Uh, have I got another one? I think so. Oh, my. This is insane. We're so kids-oriented tonight. That's okay. This is related to our earlier story, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I put the link in our show notes so you can also check this out because it's important. Remember I said the CDC cannot mandate anything? (laughs) You wouldn't know that, but it isn't. It's not the CDC. It is the states. Whatever the CDC says about the uh, C-19 vaccines for kids, it is up to the states. Full stop. An advisory committee recommended unanimously the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention include COVID-19 in its childhood immunization schedule next year. The CDC is expected to adopt this recommendation, and now it has adopted it. It is part of the recommended vaccines. That does not mean that you must. It means that your state will get these recommendations, and then your state can choose to follow them. Or not follow them. It is up to your state. It is not up to the CDC. And thank goodness for that, because over the last few years, we've learned more about the CDC and exactly what kind of a mess it is. All right, speaking of hot messes, well, there's this show. That's a good hot mess. No laughter for that one? All right, this is from the Washington Examiner. Oh, here we go. Woke censors have come after yet another classic. This time, without the author's permission. You remember Goosebumps? Of course. Goosebumps is still around. Far-left ideologues have taken over the book publishing, and they're now exerting their influence to rewrite classic books with more politically correct crap language. This disturbing trend was in the spotlight recently from uh, Roald Dahl's classics, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, trying to go around sanitizing the language about obesity and gender. Well, they got enough backlash about that. They decided that they, okay, fine, we'll publish the politically correct ones, and then we'll publish the originals the way it was meant to be read. At least in that case, The changes were made with the blessing of the late author's descendants. But now, here we go again. Publishers allegedly censored a classic in the children's author's works without his knowledge. Goosebumps by R.L. Stein, being targeted by these a-holes. Goosebumps series, hugely popular children's horror series. National Review reports sold millions of copies per month at the peak of its popularity. They're now releasing modified versions as ebooks with edits and a lot of edits to at least 12 of the Goosebumps books. Examples of the changes made include replacing descriptions such as plump with cheerful, crazy with silly, nutcase with weirdo, and so on. Scholactic says it made the changes in order to keep the language current and avoid imagery that could negatively impact a young person's mind or view of themselves with a particular focus on mental health. 
It was originally reported that Stein, the author, approved the changes, but later he came out and said, not true. He tweeted, I never changed a word in Goosebumps, and any changes were never shown to me. There you go. These idiots, these Nazi language police morons, sticking their nose back in places it doesn't belong. Stay the hell out of our literature, and especially our kids' literature. Speaking of which, we're going to continue with White Fang coming up in a little bit. All right. Look, I'm a conservative. I'm a right-winger. I'm a Trumper. I'm a Trump supporter. I'm all the stuff that you uh, you may or may not hate. I don't give a crap. This is me. This is my show. You want to put your opinions out there? You get your own show. You can. You can do it for free. Just sign up for a Rumble account. Go on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch.tv. I'm on all four channels at the same time. And the podcast on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and all the other platforms for podcasts. So thank you to everybody who follows us. little button over there says follow. Please hit that. But um, I, uh, no doubt about it, I have extremely conservative views. But I completely disagree with the thing that hit the news over the last couple of days. This is from Blaze Media. Jane Fonda suggests murdering pro-lifers as a way to push pro-choice agenda and later says she was joking. Jane Fonda appeared on The View and said as a joke something about murdering pro-lifers. I saw the clip. It was absolutely a joke. They took that and they turned it into this huge controversy. Oh, we're going to file a a, a complaint with the Capitol Police, whoever. Uh, She advocates killing people. It was a joke, my friends. Look, I'm not a big Jane Fonda fan when it comes to her political views. I think she's an idiot. She's a traitor. Look her up in the 60s if you want to know what I'm talking about. She's a brilliant actress. Absolutely amazing actress. Love her acting career. Politically, she's an idiot. But when she said that, when she made that comment, it was a joke. And it was obviously a joke. And for the right to take that joke comment and try and turn it into some big thing that it's not is just as bad as the left taking something that Trump or whoever, Mac Gates said as a joke or out of context and turning it into some giant controversy. I'm not above calling out the right when I think they've been stupid. And in this case, I think they're being stupid. Like I said, I was very clear about it. Jane Fonda and I have completely different political views. I think she's a brilliant actress. I've loved all the films she's been in. My favorite film of all time stars, among others, Jane Fonda. It's called On Golden Pond. But in this case, sorry, right. Sorry, right. You're wrong. You're absolutely off the mark when it comes to that. All right. We did kind of start off the show with some good news, and that was Michelle Yeoh winning the Best Actress 
Academy Award. But we always end this segment of our show with some good news. And so we're going to do that now. And this story is also from Malaysia. But look, if you're not in Malaysia, that doesn't matter. Check this out. This is amazing. From the star. Malaysian mom's miracle twins turn one year old. And that was just two days ago. So happy birthday. There's more to this story. When Malaysia Shakina Rajendram was told her pregnancy was a loss and nothing more could be done to save the children, twins, that she was carrying, she and her Canadian husband refused to give up. For months after, they went through a deeply traumatic and stressful time. But a year later, her little girl and little boy are not only thriving, but they also hold two Guinness World Records. They are officially the world's most premature and lightest twins to ever have been born. In the world, from right here in Malaysia, when this amazing couple were told, your twins don't have a chance. Well, they did have a chance, and mom and dad refused to give up. And that's an amazing story, and they have just turned one year old. They celebrated their first birthday of Adia, Leyland, and Adriel Luca Nandaraja, born March 4th, 2022, 126 days and over four months early. Wow! Adia was born 23 minutes before her brother. 330 grams. That's it. Adriel was 420 grams, not much more, making them the lightest twins to ever be born. Their combined weight was only 750 grams. They broke the previous world records of 125 days uh, set by a couple in the United States. And that was amazing. So congratulations, happy birthday, and here's to a thousand more to this amazing couple, Adriel and Adia. Wow. Wow. What a story. Did I tell you or did I tell you, huh? From right here in Malaysia. Fantastic. All right. Before we get on to our book, White Fang, we want to tell you about the fantastic folks at Skillshare. You want to learn a new skill? A new trade, maybe? Are you an expert in some trade you want to teach? Skillshare is an online learning platform for both learners and teachers. More than 30,000 classes to choose from. New courses added all the time. Design, tech, illustration, business. So many more I can't sit here and list them. I'd be here for five hours. If you're a learner, you can take an online course in any specific skill you want to learn. 
you just go there and check them out. There's a search bar. You can check it out. Whatever your imagination, there's likely a course that you can learn more. Even if you already know, you can learn new skills. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's absolutely. Uh, what was it that I saw the other day? Uh, one of the um, uh, post-production editing softwares. I can't remember the name now. But anyway, it was there. If you're a teacher also, you can create and publish a course on any skill you have, whatever it is you've got, and you can make some side income. Not a bad idea. Skillshare has a variety of topics. The most valuable is in the creative lines, but they've got more. Design, photography, cinematography, motion graphics. Anyone can take a class, do a project, even teach a course, whether you're an individual or even a team. And like I said, if you decide to put a course up on Skillshare and teach, make a little side income. Do check it out. The link is in our show notes. It is a special link. And if you use that, you will get an amazing offer from The Jay Sheldon Show and, of course, Skillshare. So do check out Skillshare. Put a new skill in your life. Thank you, Skillshare, for uh, helping to sponsor part of the show. You ready? I am. White Fang. We've been reading books on this show for a long time. We're in the middle of White Fang. And man, what a story. First published in 1906 by Jack London. White Fang had just refound his mom. Well, Kiche's greeting of her grown son was anything but affectionate. But White Fang didn't mind. He'd outgrown his mother. He'd turned tail philosophically and trotted on up the stream. At the fort, he took the turning to the left, where he found the lair of the lynx with whom his mother and he had fought long before. Here, in the abandoned lair, he settled down and rested for the day. But during the summer, in the last days of the famine, he met Lip-Lip, who had likewise taken to the woods, where he'd eked out a miserable existence. When Fang, White Fang, came upon him unexpectedly, trotting in opposite directions along the base of a high bluff, they rounded a corner of rock and found themselves face to face. They paused with instant alarm, looked at each other suspiciously. White Fang was in splendid condition. His hunting had been good, and for a week, He'd eaten his fill. He was even gorged from his latest kill. But in the moment, he looked at Lip-Lip. His hair rose on end all along his back. It was an involuntary bristling on his part. The physical state that in the past had always accompanied the mental state produced in him by Lip-Lip's bullying and persecution. As in the past... He bristled and snarled at the sight of Lip-Lip. So now, automatically, he bristled and snarled. He didn't waste any time. The thing was done thoroughly and with dispatch. Lip-Lip essayed to back away, but White Fang struck him hard, shoulder to shoulder. Lip-Lip was overthrown, rolled upon his back, White Fang's teeth drove into the scrawny throat. 
there was a death struggle, during which White Fang walked around, stiff-legged, observant. Then he resumed his course, trotted along the base of the bluff. One day, not long after, he came to the edge of the forest, where a narrow stretch of open land sloped down to the Mackenzie. He'd been over this ground before, when it was bare, but now a village occupied it. Still hidden amongst the trees, he paused to study the situation. Sights and sounds and scents, all that were familiar to him. It was the old village changed to a new place. But sights and sounds and smells were different from those he'd had last when he fled away from it. There was no whimpering, no wailing. Contented sounds saluted his ear. And when he heard the angry voice of a woman, he knew it to be the angry that proceeds from a full stomach. And there was a smell of fish in the air. There was food. The famine was gone. He came out boldly from the forest, trotted into the camp straight to Grey Beaver's teepee. Grey Beaver wasn't there. But Klukluch welcomed him with glad cries and the whole of a fresh-caught fish. And he laid down to wait Grey Beaver's coming. Next time we're going to move on to the next part. It's called, it's part four, chapter one, The Enemy of His Kind. And that will be coming up in our next stream on Wednesday night. So be sure and check it out. It is Jack London's The Adventure of White Fang. Hey, if you wouldn't mind, just take a second and click that follow button. It's right over here. Lots of you have done that. We really appreciate it. It costs nothing, and it helps the show out tremendously. So thank you so much for that. I will see you again on Wednesday, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Michelle Yo, congratulations again. And uh, thanks, folks. Thanks for popping by and taking part in this silliness we call the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>